Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, having epic adventures, and experiencing awesome things in the outdoors. At Hunt the West, my only goal is for you to get out and hunt. And that is exactly what our guest did today. His name is Christian Potter. Um, He comes from Florida, and he actually did his first Western hunt here in Utah last year in 2019. So we get to hear his story of, of, he went on a couple hunts, his stories about learning a new area, learning a new species, coming from a completely different style of hunting and coming into this Western hunter hunting world that we all love here at Hunt the West. So you get to hear some of his tips, his um, advice for new hunters, and a little bit about his experiences there. So this is going to be a good one. We'll just dive right in with Christian Potter. All right, Christian, welcome to the Hunt the West podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Um, so why don't you just start out by introducing yourself a little bit, um, what your name is, where you came from, and your kind of your background on hunting, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So yeah, my name's Christian Potter. I, um, I was born and raised in the South in Florida. Um, hunted and fished all my life growing up, but uh, recently last year had the good fortune of moving to Utah and uh, things got a little more interesting for sure. Um, it was a very steep learning curve, um, but we got it, we got it handled. I've got a little better grasp than I, uh, than I did to begin with yeah. for sure. But um, it was, it was a slow process. It took a lot of research and a lot of digging and, talking to people, but, um, it's, you know, all my life, it seemed so, um, like untouchable, you know, to be from the South or from the East coast in general. And, you know, to go out West and hunt elk or anything, it's just so crazy. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm, I'm enjoying every bit of it so far. So is that something that you like as a little kid, you just always wanted to do, or was it something that you came into later? Oh yeah, man. Of course. I mean, growing up hunting whitetails, um, is a blast and I, I still love to do it, but you know, you look at hunting magazines and you'd see photos of these guys just like up on these ridge tops, and you see like these unbelievable views and huge land. And you know, where I come from, the furthest you would ever, ever see a deer would be, you know, 300 yards across a soybean field or something like that. And it's so to, to get out here where you can really, and the public land too. (laughs) Yeah. And just the fact that you have so much at your disposal, it's, it's really, really fantastic. It's it's a great thing. Well, yeah, it's a, it's an extreme contrast going out there. I mean, if you look on Onyx maps at anywhere in the East or in the South, it's just, it's like 90% private land everywhere. It's like absolutely it's a huge thing and public land. I don't, I, we totally take it for granted out here in the West because I didn't even realize that the places that I would go out and shoot or, you know, go hiking or whatever. I didn't even realize that those were public lands. Like I didn't know that that right. was a thing, but when you come from the South or come from the East or even the Midwest, like coming out here, you realize, well, man, there's public land anywhere. I can just walk around or like, I can just walk out there and camp. What? It's It's, a huge, it's staggering. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. I mean, and, and, you know, in the South it's 
public land is is not even it's not thought of in the same way i, I mean it is in 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 certain ways but it's very small tracts of land usually um typically it's it's very poor hunting conditions uh, or hunting environment um and and here it's it's quite literally overwhelming and it actually brings up kind of an interesting dilemma to someone that's new to the west or new to a, a certain western state it's 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 almost too much it really is i mean i found myself just staring at maps for days and days <laughs> and it's just unending yeah. it's like you could almost just throw a dart at it and go anywhere so how did you kind of navigate that well let's back up a little bit so what right. brought you what brought you out west and kind of how did that situation play out like sure, what? sure. So um, basically, my fiance is an air traffic controller with the FAA. Um, and so she was fortunate to get started down there. But uh, the time came that she had to be transferred to a new um, air, you know, airport. And the list was like Salt Lake City was on the list. Denver was on the list. Um, and then a few places I certainly didn't want to go. Memphis was on the list. It, Miami was on the list, but, um, we looked it over and said, you know what? Salt Lake city is, uh, is going to be the place. And it's, I think we definitely made the right decision. I mean, here you're the proximity to the front and the mountains there are right in our backyard. Um, it's just a great location. But, uh, once we got here, we got here in, uh, November, I believe which is actually kind of an ideal time to get dropped in the middle of Utah because it kind of allows you to see that winter pattern and kind of how animals are acting that time of year with the snow load. And, and then I got dumped right headfirst into shed hunting, which out here is a, a, a quite an interesting animal. It's not something that really even goes on where I'm from. It goes yeah. on, but more often than not, you're going to refill your feeder with corn and you may trip over one but um it's a it's serious business out here so yeah. I, I partook in that a little bit this spring this past spring um that's awesome yeah and it's 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 pretty interesting man i i the the the, the level of enthusiasm out here for the sheds is is startling it's, it's cool <laughs> it's really cool it's it's almost as enthusiastic as as hunting like it's its own, you know, it's own depending hunt. on who you, yeah, yeah. And depending on who you talk to, I think they prefer the shed hunting. Yeah, I, I definitely. It's wild. <laughs> so, um, what kind of got you into that? Like, um, did you just realize that, oh yeah, a lot of people are going shed hunting out here. Like maybe I'll just go try and pick up. Some yeah. Sheds. Well, I'll tell you the, exactly. It, it was, it was that, uh, innocent to begin with. Um, it, it the big one of the best resources for me um was on facebook you know it's it's obvious but it really is a great great resource to go on there and they have you know these localized hunting forums and pages where guys will there's a lot of nonsense certainly and there's a lot yeah. of guys that are just there to give misinformation and and be um difficult but there is also <laughs> a lot of good good guys that will you know, help guys that are new to the area or new to hunting and, 
um, it's really been a fantastic resource. So I got, I met a couple of guys on Facebook and they were talking about sheds and I was like, oh, that, that sounds kind of cool. Um, and so I spent the next, I would say six or eight weekends stumbling around the sage flats looking for an antler. Um, isn't that the best? I, it is, I it, I it is. It. I love it so much. It is. It's, uh, it's fun to get out that time of year for sure. It gives you a chance to go walk in the woods. But, um, after, you know, a month or so of it, I was like, man, I'd love to find an antler one of these days. But, oh yeah. Uh, so you, you weren't having any luck. No, that was the issue. It was, I was starting to get burnt out, but then I, I had a little success. So, um, I get it. I totally get it now. I was starting to not understand, but after I found one, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Yep. I, my very first shed that I found, I remember it. it is sitting on my mantle outside in my living room right now. I remember it and I almost stepped on it and I was like, no way. And it was like, it wasn't a, an amazing shed. It was just like a three point um, mule deer shed. It was like a nice three point, but it was super chalky. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. And I like picked it up and I was like, yeah, oh, exactly. My gosh. And I'm like looking around for the match, even though it's like four years old. <laughs> <laughs> but then another time I, I almost stepped on another one. Well, this, they were always while I was coyote hunting and I came across this giant shed with like cheaters and it measured like 80 inches, just the single. It was ginormous. And oh, I, wow. after that I was like, Oh man. And I caught the, caught the bug. I'm not super duper oh, into yeah. it just because of time, but yeah, when I'm walking around, sometimes I forget to look up because I'm looking for sheds. I know the feeling. Yeah, you get that sore neck after a, a long weekend yep. of it. <laughs> okay, so you get this um, job opportunity through your fiance. You come out to Salt Lake. Yeah. You kind of join some Facebook groups, get some some tips. How did you kind of navigate the overwhelming amount of land and how did you kind of navigate the, you know, you, like you said, there's almost too much. So how did you sure, kind of navigate sure. that yeah. and where to go? Well, not, you know, not even just the land, but I, it, it, it may not be obvious to, to, you know, those that have lived here for a long time, but the Utah hunting regulations are no joke either. They're, I mean, that is, that is a legitimate uh, read to sit down and thumb through that thing. Um, and it took a little bit of time to kind of understand the wording and, and some of the different options as far as what was available and things like that and understanding the way that the elk herd is managed um, with sort of a hybrid system, you know, half being trophy managed and half being managed for opportunity, hunter opportunity. Um, so it kind of took some figuring out with all of that. Um, and, and it just at a certain point came down to what I would be able to get tag wise. Um, and, and just really kind of like I alluded to earlier, just sort of spinning the globe and putting your finger somewhere and saying, let's just go try here. Um, so and were that's you essentially focused, what happened. Oh, sorry. But were you, um, focused on just elk or were you like, I'm going to, what, what was your kind of game game plan as far as tags and species? Well, yeah. So I, I kind of last year I was, I'm, and still sort of, I'm at the point where I just want to get out and hunt in this new environment and, and this new landscape and just kind of get experiences and 
and have you know more time in the woods here so i was really just like however i can get out whatever tags i think i'll be able to to finagle that's what i'll do so um i had determined fairly early on that the thing to do because there's not anybody that lives in utah knows that there's not an elk tag that you're going to draw with no points so i went <laughs> yeah. ahead and put that on the back burner like, um and decided yeah i'm gonna go ahead and start <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to buy some point. I'm going to buy a point, you know, start start stashing those away. Um, and I actually was in a, a fairly unique situation because when I got here, uh, the application period in February was I, I had not established Utah residency yet. So for the purposes of hunting, mm. I was still a non-resident. And that did a couple of things. It made my tag prices unbelievable. About which was 400 the times more expensive. Um, yeah, exactly. But the positive thing, which is actually kind of an interesting little little thing, is that uh, non-residents have the ability to purchase both limited entry deer and limited mm -hmm. entry elk points in the same year. So yeah. um, and antelope. That was kind of a cool. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that was kind of a cool thing because I was able to go ahead and get All pretty three. much a point for everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> if you did for start antelope. building those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one and thing then, I hate about it is as a resident, I'm just, I go back and forth. I'm like, uh, this year I buy an elk point, next year I buy a mule deer point, and I just go back and forth. And that's sort of yeah. the struggle is you have to, you know, you have to make a decision or flip-flop like that and mm -hmm. essentially double the length of time that you're going to wait, you know? So yeah. it's a, it's, it's not a perfect system to be sure, but it's, um, I think it's a decent system that we have here. Uh, and there's some changes this year that I think are good too, with the, some changes that were made to the general deer tags and stuff like that. It should be interesting. But um, in terms of my season last year, uh, like I said, determined there was no uh, limited elk hunt to be had. So I uh, went ahead and bought a point for elk, bought an over-the-counter elk tag, and uh, was also able to pick up a leftover muzzleloader deer tag i didn't draw i i had hoped to get an archery deer tag uh didn't draw so i ended up picking up a leftover um cool that's a that's a so, pretty yeah, decent so setup kinda, for your first season yeah it's not bad i mean i i i bought an enable tag which was going to give me an opportunity to hunt you know archery elk anywhere um and I was intrigued by the idea of some of the spike and cow hunts that are offered on the limited, limited entry units. That's kind of a neat opportunity. Um, and so that's kind of what became of my summer was trying to prep for those hunts, fig, kind of figure this stuff out, try to get some sort of a, a gear set up together that was appropriate for uh, Western hunting, mm -hmm. um, spotting scopes and tripods and all this kind of fun stuff that I certainly had never had to use at home. Um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. So now you've, yeah. you've got your tags, you're going in, what was your, what, what are the things that are on your mind as you're preparing for the season? Man, it's so much like every, you know, like everything else, it, it's just overwhelming. It, it first became, you know, I was fortunate that I had been hunting very seriously for a long time, even though it's a different style of hunting. A lot of the same stuff will translate. Um, and I had been backpacking and camping quite a bit. So I did have, you know, a pretty good uh, frame to kind of build off of. 
but it, it it is overwhelming. I start shooting my bow obsessively. I'll shoot 50 to 75 arrows a day during the summer, usually not every day, but probably three or four days a week. Um, I'm hiking as much as I can. That was the big thing for me was just the physical aspect. It is, it, it, it's not something I had, it's something I had, that had passed through my mind, but it really kicked my butt when I got out here. The difference in elevation from, you know, negative 10 feet where I used to live to right. 4,500 here up to 10,000. It's, it is extreme. And it took me some getting used to, you'd get halfway up a hill and, and about fall over. But, Plus uh, just the steep that. mountains, you know, the, oh, yeah. the terrain itself, Absolutely. even if it was at, uh, at sea level, the terrain would be, you know, you gotta oh, be in 100%. shape. <laughs> and and uh, up here in Northern Utah, I mean, some of these slopes are like pretty serious in terms of, uh, incline, but, um, yeah, it, it really, uh, you know, where I come from, you walk, you know, 300 yards through a pine row to get to your tree stand. And that's about the end of it. So it, it definitely took some getting used to, but after that, um, as the season started to get closer, I spent more time in the woods. I, I didn't have any cameras or anything out this year just because logistically it was hard to get out there and check them. And also if you spend enough time on Facebook, it's just littered with stolen camera posts. So yeah, yeah. I aired on the side of keeping my, uh, keeping my stuff out of the woods this year. Yeah. I think there was even one story that made it onto the meat eater podcast, which is like the biggest hunting podcast. I don't know if you listened to that one, but there's a, did you hear about this guy? Time to time, yeah. did, did you hear about the guy in park city who had his tree stand stolen? Like his tree stand and his I cameras. Did. I, and then he caught them yep, on his other camera. <laughs> it was like a news story <laughs> because he yeah, like, I did see that. And apparently they, they went to court and I yeah, think, uh, he won. It was a positive outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. he won. And, uh, the, it's the funny thing is the dog that the, the, the guys had with him or the, the people that stole the, the tree stand, the dog right. that they had with him is what he found the dog in a neighborhood and followed the dog home and there was the dude on his trail cam that's stolen his that's incredible stand. yeah it was a pretty epic story that but is yeah, fantastic that stuff yeah. goes on you got, if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a camera out it's always good to have that secondary security cam keep an yeah. eye on it <laughs> or a big fat sure. lock on it although this, that yes, guy brought exactly. bolt cutters he brought bolt cutters and he cut he them off ready. the tree i mean he went out there with yeah. a mission to steal that tree stand Crazy. which really makes it even worse yeah exactly because it was yeah. completely premeditated yeah what totally caught red-handed yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i really want to get into the tree or into the uh trail cam game because it can be super yeah. useful as you're scouting oh, absolutely you know? it's a slippery slope though because it can become obsessive <laughs> yeah because you're like, that's one thing one in the in the whitetail world that is Oh my goodness. And then you get into the cellular cameras, you know, where you can get these pictures in real time all day long. I would never get any work done. I would be on my phone <laughs> yeah. all day looking at pictures. Yeah. You're like That's virtually in your tree stand all day long while you're working. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Year round. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. The technology is, you know, it's going crazy. Cool. Absolutely. So, I mean, you look at the way that 
like cell phones have changed the way we hunt. I mean, on X is, Oh yeah. I don't, I don't carry a handheld GPS anymore. You know, it's all the cell phone. Total game changer on X maps. I remember 100%. just out here. I would determine where I would go hunting by where there was a fence and where there wasn't. And I'm sure I trespassed at some point, <laughs> but I was like, Oh, there's no fence sure. there. It's not marked. I'm going out. But in Utah, that doesn't fly. It's, yeah whether it's posted or and not as soon as you look at the property lines <laughs> exactly and you're like oh yeah. my gosh look at these property lines it's not always where you think they'll be for sure mm-hmm. and it goes the other way too that sometimes there's a fence there and it's all public and it's just a lease and the you know they put up a fence which is totally legal but you have every yep. right to cross that fence so yeah having yep. on x maps is like a total game changer absolutely 100 percent game changer yeah. Okay, so what did you find during your scouting season and how did that inform your decisions for where you're going to hunt and kind of like that? Right, okay. So I my the first hunt that I was going to do that year was going to be the archery elk hunt. And, and I very early on decided that I wanted to go to the Uintas and spend an extended period in the backcountry, um, you know, like a five to seven day hunt. Uh, get in there and and really work hard and see if I could get it done. Um, that plan lasted until about July, I would say, um, and at which point I chickened out and decided to go on a spike hunt instead. Um, it had to do with a couple of factors: the just the logistics of getting out there. You know, with my work schedule was a little bit difficult, and also I was a little bit nervous about the. Uh, prospect of potentially killing an elk because then I would really be in over my head. So mm-hmm. I uh I That's opted to more, keep it a little yeah. more yeah, a little more low key starting off. I I decided to go do a spike hunt on one of the LE units, went down there, checked it out. Um found a lot of elk, really a, a lot of elk. Um uh found a few cows, a few spikes here and there. So I was feeling good about it. Um, what I didn't plan for was the amount of people that you'll yeah. run into, uh, on opening weekend of Utah mm-hmm. archery elk. It is impressive. It's yep. like, a, it looks like a music festival out there. Yeah. Um, so that shook things up a little bit. Some of the spots that I had initially wanted to go kind of get in there and camp and look around were just overrun with people. So that's one thing that I would say and kind of, hearkening back to what we said about on X, it's so nice to, if, you know, to be able to change plans on the fly and having everything on your phone like that and being able to, to just zip over to another area that looks good is awesome. Whereas, you know, if you're just following fences and, and paper maps, it might be a little more difficult. Definitely. Um, I, yeah, that, that archery hunt was fantastic. I, I, we were able to find a lot of elk, um, Unfortunately, no spike bulls, but if you were looking for like 315, 320 bulls, we right. found plenty yeah. of those. Yeah. Um, There's a reason but that's why always it's a how it goes. Entry. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the reason why there's so I'm many sure people. If I was, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to explain really quick for the people who aren't familiar with the how the Utah limited entry spike tags go. Um, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to explain that real quick. Cause there there's, we have general season units and then we have limited entry units for elk. 
you can buy an over the counter tag for those general season uh, units and those are any bowl units or you can buy a general season over the counter spike elk tag and those are in the limited entry units so you can buy a tag in a limited entry unit for just a spike but you can hunt that same unit if you took you know 15 points to draw so the people who have are on the hunt of a lifetime hunting those 350 bulls those 330 bulls those giant monster bulls are mixed in with all the over-the-counter spike elk hunters and the limited entry hunters hate it because there's spike elk hunters yeah, everywhere it's a, yeah it's a very strange dynamic because right you you wait 15 in some of these units you know 20 years yeah, to draw a points. tag mm -hmm. yeah and you've got guys zipping around trying to stick arrows and cows which is you know i like that they give us the opportunity um but i can imagine you know when the time comes that i'm the le tag holder it could be quite frustrating the good thing that they do in utah that i think is important is that they the over-the-counter spike hunt ends uh one week before the end of the limited entry tag ends so essentially it gives those le tag holders a full week on their own without having to deal with the spike hunters and it's also in my opinion the best week of the season because you start getting into september yep. and the, those bulls mm -hmm. are getting a lot more active um so yeah if if i were to draw an le tag i would probably just wait until that yeah. until the spike hunters clear out and you have the mountain to yourself yep yeah it's a i mean I get it. Like, I don't even know what I would propose for a policy, but like I get, they're trying to kind of make everybody happy and kind of splitting hairs and stuff. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's a yeah, point it's, of frustration for a lot of people. It is, it is. And it's a tough thing for the state because the way I understand it is that you really, you really have to pick a lane, whether you're going to be quality managed trophy managed you know, I know some people don't like that term, but, you know, trophy managed units or managed for hunter opportunity. Arizona has chosen to do the trophy managed model, you know, where there's very, it's a fantastic elk hunting and it takes a long time to draw. Whereas like, I think Wyoming has some of the most opportunity, you know, you can roll in and grab a tag at your local corner store and, and hit the hills. So it just yeah. depends. And, and Utah is interesting the way they've sort of split it right down the middle and said, we're going to manage these units this way and these units this way. It, it's, it's cool because you sort of get the best of both worlds. Yeah. It's definitely the most unique setup of all the Western yeah. states. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So on your, your hunting spikes and you said you didn't really see any spikes. Um, how, yeah, we, how, so we, we went down Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Just go right okay, into yeah. it. We had gone down uh, opening weekend. Um, my fiance and I, she's a huge bow hunter. Um, so we went down there, uh, found a spot, found a couple little pockets that were sort of out of the way that it seemed like weren't getting hammered. Um, and like I said, we found a ton of elk. We spent, I think, four days, three, three or four days hunting down there. Um, saw some cows from about a mile off but um you know that's how it goes when you're hunting spikes all you find is the 330s but yeah <laughs> um, it was a great time and to get in there and kind of have experience 
you know, putting a stalk on a herd of elk and sort of seeing how they react to your presence. And all of it is, it, I just think of it as great education for me, for somebody that's new. And I just want to have as many encounters with elk and, you know, just kind of run-ins with elk as possible at this point, just to try to, you know, get educated as quickly as possible. And, um, and is this so like no success the, on that hunt? Sorry. Is this like the first time you've ever seen an elk was like when you're out there hunting for him? Or, uh, it, no. Um, I guess this was sort of a valid, uh, an important point that I glossed over when I got out of college. Um, my then girlfriend and I came and lived in Yellowstone for about a year. Um, kind of just working for the, for the park at one of the resorts in there. So, you know, like a seasonal job. Mm -hmm. Um, so we drove out here and did that. And that was like a completely eye opening experience because I had never been out West and to go from not really being out West too much to being like dropped in the middle of Yellowstone is wild because it's like, it's like you took the Western U S and just turned the dial up to 12, you know, yeah, everything's yeah. so wild. That's a great way to there. explain it. That's so true. Yeah. It's just, you just turned it all the way up and, and it's, it's again, overwhelming. But after that, that being out here for that was when I was like, okay, I have to end up out here one way or another. Um, because you know, we would, we lived and worked inside the park. And so in the morning, my alarm clock was the elk screaming outside yeah. the window or fighting or punching a hole in a car hood or, you know, some tourists got bucked by a Buffalo. It was just a amazing place. It was an awesome place. And it was really what drove me to say, you know what, I have to eventually live out West. So I had had some, a few experiences with, with elk and, and mule deer and stuff like that when I was out here for that. But this was definitely, obviously, my first time, like, bow in hand in close proximity to an elk. And it is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty it is, uh <laughs> It's hard to explain, really, just, like, the size and strength of these things. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Okay, so you're out there. You said you were out there seven days and you didn't see any spikes? I think on that hunt, we were like maybe four days, four? something okay. like that. And we did not see a spike. I, I can't even tell you how many herds of bulls we glass hoping there'd be a, or, and herds of cows hoping there'd be a spike in there. I was perfectly, I was perfectly prepared to take a cow uh, as well. Um, but it just didn't, you know, it just didn't work out that way. Just didn't get any opportunities at them, but that's part of it. And, and it was the, the adventure and the experience of actually, you know, all, all the lead up and all the prep time and actually standing on a ridge top with your bow, uh, gives you that good, warm, fuzzy feeling. It's really great. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That was like one of the questions I was going to ask you is like, why, like, what were your feelings about, hunting even though you weren't able to get something i think that's something that people struggle with is like oh i'm going hunting but i didn't get anything so should i be upset or right yeah well yeah i think it's important you know everybody has their own mindset that they have to 
that they are in when they do these things. But for me, it's, it's definitely not about killing something. I mean, it's almost cliche to even say that because it's said so much, but it really isn't for me just because, you know, I've done it so long and, and hunted so many years, even though it's a new species, I had no expectations or no, um, requirement i really had no preconceived notions i went into it completely open understanding that i've never even like you know i've never even been within 50 yards of one of these things so the odds that i'm going to actually get an arrow through one are crazy and i i knew that going in you know um so i it wasn't really a problem as far as managing the expectations of that I've had many, many long, long sits in a tree stand where I didn't see anything but, you know, a squirrel. So uh, I, I've gotten pretty used to managing disappointment. But <laughs> yes. um, it's a good skill to have was, when you're hunting. Yeah, absolutely. And out here, especially bow hunting, you know, it's such a it's a game of, of inches and, and a gust of wind here. And it's 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 almost impossible that you would ever stick an, an animal with an arrow. It's amazing yeah. that we're able to do it at all. It's pretty crazy. Um, I found that yeah, out the hard yeah, way definitely. this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was my first year bow hunting and I have a whole episode on it, but so I'm not going to rehash that whole thing, but yeah, it's hard. You know, in a few yeah. words, it's hard. <laughs> so I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's good. That really, that, yeah. I, I think it's good that you had that mentality and you're, you know, you're wise enough to understand that most people don't kill an elk in their first five years, let alone their first year. So, especially with a bow. So yeah, I think ha yeah. for other guys who are coming out here out West for their first time, it's valuable to hear that and manage your expectations and just go for the hunt, just go for the experience I mean, obviously the whole goal is to try and get one, but there's other goals wrapped up into that. And so I think if people manage those expectations and realize that it's going to be difficult, be there for the entire experience and just kind of manage those expectations. I think what you said is, is spot on of a, a good way to help guys on their first Western hunt. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, it, and I think for anybody coming out here, you know, their first year or, or hopefully for the first few years, it's just the, the, the adventure. It's so new, you know, the landscape is so different and everything is new. You know, every experience is new. It's it, the sounds are different. You know, it's the woods are, are dead quiet at night, which is so strange. You know, there's no crickets or frogs or, and, and I just, so I just, I enjoy all the little aspects of it. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and climb out of my tent and I'm like, man, this is cool. And, uh, I just look at it like that. Now, you know, check in with me in six or seven years. If I, <laughs> if I haven't killed anything, my tune may have changed a little bit, but, um, man, I'm just enjoying the process right now. And I did have some success and I was able to go on a successful hunt this past season, but, um, Cool. I'm so, just really loving all the little aspects. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's talk about your successful hunt. I mean, they're all successful. I mean, but when most people say successful, they mean that you brought home an animal. <laughs> right. So, I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. The, so let's talk about that. That was your, um, muzzleloader deer, right? 
Yes, absolutely. So okay. like I said, so give I, us the story was, on that. <laughs> okay. So, um, I w- wasn't lucky enough to draw an archery deer tag, which was my first choice. Um, but I, when, when the leftover tags went on sale, um, it's sort of a mad dash to log into the website and try to grab one. And by the time I got in, all that was left was a muzzleloader deer. And I said, okay, I've got a muzzleloader. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll have a go at that. So um, picked up the tag. Uh, if you're from Utah or, or hunt in Utah, it's probably not a huge secret of the tag that I picked up. But anyway, um, I got this tag and immediately just dove into the research on it, pouring over Onyx trying to talk to guys. Um, the one thing I would say, if you're e-scouting from another state or, or even if that's just your preferred method of scouting uh, in the winter or whatever, and you're, you're trying to get information from guys on the internet, uh, my, my recommendation would be to take that with a grain of salt because there, unfortunately, are guys that are, you know, just trying to permanently, purposefully steer people in the wrong direction. But I did. I was able to come into a few, come into contact with a few guys that had hunted this unit. They gave me some information, um, but just very general areas. Um, I made, I think, two preseason trips out there. The couple weekends leading up to the hunt, didn't see any bucks. Saw a couple of does. Um, was not feeling super great about it because I was putting on a lot of miles and just was not finding the deer. And everybody, and I guess it's also important to mention that leading up to this hunt, everybody that I talked to or anytime I would post a question about it on the forums or anything, overwhelmingly the response I got was, there's no deer there. It's not worth going. Um, You'll get eaten by a lion. You know, you name it. I heard all the reasons not to go on this hunt. But uh, like I said, any chance I have to get into the hills, I'm going to go. So I had made up my mind that I was going to backpack in as deep as I could, try to beat the crowd. Um, I packed a bag for six days, five nights, six days, uh, a heavy bag. Uh, it's worth noting. Um, <laughs> and had planned on really going deep. So uh, the night before the hunt, I believe it opened uh, last week of September, but the night before the hunt, I'm looking at Onyx and something that I had never noticed just happens to catch my eye. And it's sort of a smaller parcel that's not, let me think about the best way to say this. It's sort of a detached portion that's separate from the main body of the unit where everybody tends to focus. And I know guys hunt this smaller section as well, but something about it just, I, I'm not sure why, but I was like, I need to go there and just do a quick couple mile loop and just poke my head in there and see because something about it from the satellite images just looked deary to me. So I had my six day bag in my, and this is where the comedy of errors begins with this hunt. I had the <laughs> six day bag packed in the back of my truck and I had a second backpack with me that I had planned to bring on this little opening morning excursion this little side trip if you will because i'm trying i'm thinking ahead and i'm thinking man if i shoot something let me carry a bag just in case so i go on this little jaunt 
down this little finger ridge overlooking this this canyon and I stop and I'm glassing a couple little spots and it gets to be probably the sun comes up it's probably 8 8 15 and I'm sort of picking my way down this little finger ridge gla glassing anywhere I get a good view um, and I sort of come around this corner and there's a handful of deer feeding right you know just right in front of me on the ridge that I'm on so I'm like man that's nice so I throw up the binoculars and the the first deer I see has some antlers sticking up and you know having be being told what I was told leading up to this hunt being that I've never killed a mule deer I've never killed a buck in velvet you know all these things it was sort of a you know, if I see a legal buck, I'm going to take him type situation. So, um, I didn't really think it would happen within 45 minutes of opening day. That's just the way it sort of panned out. But I see that this deer's at least a forky, get a range on him. He's 85 yards, throw the muzzle loader up. Um, and I was able to, I was fortunate enough to drop him in his tracks. Um, of course, when the shot went off, that's when I noticed that there was actually a handful of bucks and one of them <laughs> was uh, quite a bit nicer than the one that I took, but you know, that's life. That's hunting. That's the way things go. Yeah. So I was fortunate to get a little, little two by three on the ground. Um, no track job on them, which was nice. The thing that wasn't so nice is that when I changed backpacks, I neglected to put my deer tag in my new backpack. Ooh. So I wanted to make sure I did everything by the book. So I, I went four miles back to the truck, got the tag four miles back into the deer, uh, quartered it up. And, uh, was, I was so tired with hiking at that point that I just put the whole thing on my back and, and took it out in one load. Just like, screw it. I'm going to make this one more trip. I'm not yeah, going to second I was trip. Like, you know what? It's all, it's all uphill on the way back to the truck. I don't want to do it twice. So I just had one brutal load, but, uh, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life, man, to get a tag that there's leftovers of every year. You can get it every year. People overlook the unit. Uh, there's a few reasons that I think people overlook the unit, but, um, and to do it on my own, going in completely cold, not having any idea what was going on. It really was a great feeling to get that thing cut up and get it back to the truck. It, it really felt like you accomplished something much more so than slinging one up into the back of the pickup out from under my corn feeder back in Georgia. So, yeah. um, I'm sure it, both it are was, rewarding, was, but it's like sure, a different sure. type of reward. It is. Yeah. Whitetail hunting for me is very rewarding in that it makes groceries and it's also super fun. This is very, I have to say it is more rewarding to me because it's harder. You know, the difficulty and the challenge and the adventure of it just takes it to another level. Um, it's, it's the best and I can't wait for next year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. You're getting me all excited. It's like I'm juiced up, man. We're I, in, I was just talking to some buddies earlier. I'm like, this snow needs uh, to go. I'm, we're in I'm the middle ready. of January. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, it feels like August right now. I'm like, okay, let's go. I know. 
we got a long <laughs> way to go. We still have sheds to find. We have yep. fish to catch through the ice. We got work to do, but There's then work to do. Then it'll be time to get yeah. serious. But yeah, you sent me a picture of that buck that you got and big smile on your face. I, you know, the animals on your back. I like, I'm just so familiar. I mean, I'm not like super familiar with that. I mean, I, there's a lot more legit hunters beside me. Um, but yeah, like the, I'm, I'm familiar with the feeling of like having that big, heavy pack, an entire mule deer on your back. So you can do it in one trip and just so grateful that you got it done. And it's, it's oh, the best. Man, it's it's so good. Really that it's like a, it, it, it's an, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's hard to describe to someone that hasn't experienced it. You know, it's, it's so, and, and, and this is the feeling that I got from a 45 minute hunt. I can only imagine if I had packed in six days, you know, and then got one on the sixth day, I would be, my brain might've exploded. I wouldn't know yeah. how to process it. Especially so but, uh, it's Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that was the other thing that made it a little more, a uh, little more interesting for sure. Did you have any reservations going out? solo i mean did your fiance was she worried about that situation i mean that's kind of a new thing because like solo hunting in the in the out of your tree stand is no big deal but when you're backpacking in alone i mean sure yeah i mean my you know my whitetail stand was uh you know 45 minutes from my front door and it's just so convenient here i i was to answer your question yeah i absolutely was um I didn't have an inReach or any kind of communication device like that. I was a hundred percent just cell phone and battery chargers. So I, I absolutely had reservations about it. The area I was going into, I knew wouldn't have cell coverage. Um, I had all my maps downloaded. You know, Onyx allows you that offline um, mode, which is again a game changer so whether you have service or not you can access good high def maps maps um but yeah yeah i definitely did i i packed extra water um extra food um i I typically wouldn't carry a pistol but i had packed a planned on carrying a pistol with me um but you know anything can happen if you're that far in the backcountry and you roll an ankle you know it can be it can be uh game over if you're by yourself so i i I absolutely had reservations about it. And, and to be honest, I think myself and my fiance were fairly relieved when it happened the way it did so quickly uh, on opening day. I was like, great, time to head back to the house. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Oh, I'm so stoked right now. Um, okay, <laughs> so what kind of, what tips, I mean, you've kind of, you've gone through this whole process now. What tips do you have somebody for somebody who's going on their first Western hunt, they've, maybe they've never been out here, whether that has to do with scouting, hunting gear, whatever, what kind of, what tips do you think are going to help somebody be successful on their first Western hunt? Oh man, there's, you know, there's so much that goes into it, but if I had to boil it down, I think the things that were maybe things that I, I didn't put enough stock into uh, in my situation would be the physical fitness aspect for sure. Um, because you know, if you're from, a, a lower elevation place or just a, a flat place, you know, without, uh, mountains, it is, you wouldn't, 
you're not ready for what's going to happen when you get out here and nothing will ruin the hunt faster than you not being able to make it to the top of the ridge. So physical fitness is key and, uh, footwear for me. I mean, I, I went through three pairs of boots this season. I finally found the right ones. Um, but yeah, having a, the wrong set of boots will ruin the hunt as well. If you're planning on doing a do a DIY hunt, um, on X. I mean, that's really the best thing I can, I can say. I mean, I, I spend the majority of my free time, like my fiance gives me hell for it, but I will spend <laughs> hours and hours just with my, with the phone six inches in front of my face, trying to decide what kind of vegetation is on yeah. that slope, you know? And it's like, just, is that a creek? Becomes, is that a little seep yeah. right there? <laughs> is it yeah. dry? I can't tell. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I, I'll go to Google earth because Google earth has the thing where you can change the Tilt angle it. of it yeah. and get a different mm-hmm. angle. I'm like, ah, let me look at it. From, ah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's wild, but it becomes, it becomes like a hot, it becomes an obsession, you know? Um, yeah. I hope my boss isn't fun. listening to this because I, spend time at work (laughs) sometimes i get sucked in and i'm like looking at maps and i'm like oh man i've been looking at maps for an hour (laughs) yeah 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 i would say i would definitely say that that would be the big one for me is do your e-scouting get online and you know ask for help because there are people that will help you and get in shape i mean that's the big thing there's plenty of opportunities here um and I hear a lot of guys complain about the hunting in Utah and granted I have a very small sample size. I haven't been here that long, but, um, you know, I found that if you get in there and hike a little bit, it's typically not that hard to turn yeah. up some critters. It's mm-hmm. really not. You, you spend a little bit of time behind the glass yeah. and walk a little bit. It's really not that hard, yeah. but you and just got to get out and do it. Yeah. And despite what people say, I I feel like everybody complains no matter what, but everybody's wrong. Like you're not going to get eaten by a mountain lion. There's like one person in the last, (laughs) there's like three people in the last 12 years that have been killed by a mountain lion in the U S it's like such a small number. You're not going to get eaten by a mountain lion. Um, deer numbers are on the rise in Utah. There's, I mean, you look at the, the numbers that the DW, the DWR puts out and the numbers are on the rise and like it's getting better. So there's, there's no reason, there's no good reason for you not to get out and hunt and do it. And if you do your homework, like it seems to me that you've really did your homework and that's a big contributor to your success this year is the, the scouting, the time, you know, boots on the ground, as they always say, putting that time in. And when I met you, you even, you asked me a couple of things cause I, um, you bought a rangefinder off of me off Facebook. Yeah. And, that's how we met. That's, yeah, that's how we met. a great story. Yeah. And that's a great, another great tip for guys that are new to the West. Facebook is a great place yeah. to pick up gear, man. Cause you know, when you get out here, you don't have the right stuff and the Facebook, like the marketplace and the different pages are invaluable when it yeah. comes to uh picking up you know gently used gear and gently that's actually used. how you and i yeah yeah and you were, i was like I, I just love talking about hunting so i was like yeah where are you going like where are you from man and then you told me your story and i'm like dude you were, it seems like you're getting after it like and so and <laughs> what okay so this is a this is a good tip for people because i know if you hop on a forum and you're like 
Hey, I want to go hunting this year. What unit should I go to? That is the, a really good way to get chewed out on a forum. The, yeah, that's the, a nightmare. The right way, that's, that's awful. <laughs> the right way to go about it is the way that you went about it. And the way you asked me, you said, here's a spot that I think looks good. What do you think? And yes. if you've done your homework, you can ask a question like that. And I know I was like, dude, I'm telling you everything I know about that spot. Like I'm going to just spill. I've found that if you word it, if you word it that way that you said, people are much more likely to answer a question like that versus tell me where the deer are. Tell me where the elk are. Yeah. And I feel like, and this is, you know, this is somewhat of a generalization, but a lot of these people that you see that are complaining about the hunting and the number of tags and the, you know, this and that, and, you know, they they have all these complaints a lot of times it's the same guys that hop on Facebook and say, Hey, tell me where the elk are in this unit. And they spend the whole season road hunting, you know, trying to shoot one from the, from the four wheeler. And so I have, you know, I have very little, uh, you know, I I don't feel bad for those people (laughs) because it's, if you, if you get in there and, and do the work, it's absolutely within anybody's reach to come out here and do this. Yeah, I was as clueless as the next guy, but I somehow stumbled into a little muley buck and stumbled into some elk. It's really, really very doable. Yeah, that's an awesome tip for people. And so I think if people kind of do exactly what you did, do your homework, ask a lot of questions, get out there, see what it looks like and be willing to adapt and move and change your plans, you're going to find animals and you're going to be successful. So. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and don't be afraid to ask, you know, like I just, I, I, I bumped into you to, to buy a rangefinder from you and we started talking elk spots because that's just my, that's just the mindset I was in the whole off season. If I, you know, if I'm at work and somebody mentions something about hunting, I zip over to their desk and try to figure yeah. out what's going on and get, you know, get in the conversation. Yeah. You just don't be afraid to ask, you know, yeah. if, if the guy at the, at the Jiffy Lube has a Sitka hat on, ask him some yes. questions, you know, like just yeah. never know where that hot tip is going to come from. Yeah. That's so funny that you mentioned that. Cause I did that. I was, I was getting my registration renewed on my car and the guy had a muley freak hat on and I was like, Oh, Hey, you hunt. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah. And he like, you know, you just, you go off. I mean, I'm it, a mild obsession is good for that if you have like a little bit of an obsession with with hunting and talking hunting it can it can yep. get you places and absolutely spots cool cool so just to wrap up here a little bit um do you have any plans for n- this coming season what what kind of yeah what, i'm starting to up? yeah i'm s- starting to kind of get all my all my uh ducks in a row as they say starting to get my plan together um this year I have a couple of points you know, or I have a point for a, a number of different things. So I'm going to try to play that to the best of my ability. There's a couple of deer tags um, that I'm, I'm about a 50, 50 draw on with one point. So I'm going to try to try to draw one of those, get a little higher quality general deer hunt um, next year. And then I'll just be hunting uh, over the counter elk again. Um, going to go with the any bull and this year i'm going to make it out there to the uintas and and do what i planned to do last year got a little more experience now a little more comfort um so that's that's the plan man and anything else that that 
comes along the way. There might be a, there may be a doe pronghorn hunt in the mix this year. Um, there may be a trip or two out of state. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to soak up as much of it as I can and, 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 you know, make the most of every season because life is short. Yeah. Sounds like we might need to go shed hunting together. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be all for that. It you won't know, be long I'm all, now. They'll be dropping in. Oh, minute. I know. I'm like counting the days. Yeah. I'm yeah, especially now I'm like itching to go outside like right now. <laughs> yeah i know it's a shame it's freezing and dark yeah (laughs) yeah it's like nighttime yeah (laughs) cool man so uh where can guys catch up with you where can they um where's a good place to to reach you if guys have questions or want to say hey yeah definitely so i'm i'm on uh instagram it's wasatch underscore bow hunter on instagram um it's uh typically a little bit slow during the off season but uh <laughs> not much the posting going there. Pick up. yeah the posts pick up when the when things start kicking in, in here but yeah i love uh I've, I've met a lot of good hunting buddies on there as well um you know hit me up if any questions or you just want to go find some sheds i'm always down cool i'll uh link that up in the show notes for people and um cool man thanks christian this has been awesome Thank you, Skylar. It's been a pleasure. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Christian Potter. Uh, He just gave some awesome, awesome, actionable advice for people coming out on their first Western big game hunt. I hope that you, if you're planning on coming out here, you can listen to this and take some advice from him and, you know, have some success like he did. Success. I'm going to put all the relevant links in the show notes here. You can just find those in your podcast app. Um, the links will be in there. Or if you want the extended version, you can go to huntthewest.us slash 17, huntthewest.us slash 17 for episode 17. And you can find that there. If that was helpful for you, if any of these episodes that if you're enjoying the show, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people find the show. That would really help me out. I'd really appreciate it. Go leave a, an honest review there. But the main takeaway here is to do your homework, find out which tags you're going to do this year. Tag season is coming up right now and get your Onyx maps so you can scout and plan out your hunts. And if you're trying to find a new place to go, find some places that look good to you and then ask a lot of questions and ask people who live in the area if it's a good place and you know, you'll get some honest answers. So take some advice from, from Christian do what he did do your homework get out there and hunt the west